Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. everybody and welcome to the next episode of the Youthscape podcast with me Rachel Gardner and my co-host Mr Martin Saunders and it's the podcast where we explore themes and topics particularly pertinent to us as the youth ministry community. Martin as pertinent as ever welcome to the Youthscape podcast. uh, I am feeling quite pertinent today actually. (laughs) I'm feeling quite pertinent. Uh, you, you know, if you um, heard the last podcast with um, with Alex Drew, you will have heard um, that I had something of a heavy cold. Yes, um, but did. I wasn't. I'll be honest. I wasn't sexy with it. It was just. It was just unpleasant. So I do <laughs> feel pertinent's the wrong word. I feel perky. There you you feel perky. My other word for the day is imminent. So pertinent oh. and imminent. I feel that those are two words that I kind of. They're the kind of the landscape of my life. It feels like everything I'm doing feels quite pertinent. Like we have to do it now, and it feels like quite imminent. There's lots of things in my to do box. You know, it's like everything feels. Mm. Do you you know like when you go through that? Is that urgent? Is that can that be done ten years time, or does it need to be done yesterday? And you have to like list everything. And the other days you're like, nope, it's all got to be done. So yeah, imminent and present. Before we get stuck into our wonderful topic for the day because as you guys know our lovely faithful listeners we're exploring the challenges that we face as youth workers um martin yes. I, I was uh, watching something very interesting on channel four last night i don't know if you've caught it but consent the uh, the oh. drama that is looking at what happens when andrew tate's ideology captures an imagination of a generation and and results in sexual assault i mean quite quite a heavy topic but have you caught oh, this at all i haven't but to be honest with you if it isn't um reruns of call the midwife um to which my wife is utterly addicted at the moment if you ask me have you seen on tv i haven't even seen the end of happy valley yet oh, yeah i won't so say no. anything then no, no. You haven't. so basically well, no i don't i haven't seen <laughs> not even heard of it I mean, is I, I'm like I I know we shouldn't really say to each other you must watch this if you want to be an engaged youth worker because I think these things can be so helpful but you can be an amazing youth worker without watching anything on Netflix or Channel Four but it is very interesting so it's a drama really that um it 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 zones in particularly on teenage boys and it asks how do teenage boys handle the pressure of you know a world where Andrew Tate says get the women get the fast cars get everything get this get that that's how you redeem masculinity that's what it means to be a guy and it's not it's nasty toxic masculinity but the main character of consent is this lovely teenage boy who's just turned 18 called Archie who lives in a really posh house goes to a really posh private school and he's a really lovely guy, but he ends up sexually assaulting a girl. But it unpacks where that all came from, what happened, wow. and the pressure for him. So it is, I do think it's a really, really good film to get you thinking about the nuances. And with older youth, you could definitely watch parts of it with it. Does it, is it, you, does it need a little trigger warning, Rachel, for those oh, with a more sensitive yeah. disposition? Yeah, it does. And if you are watching it, I would really encourage you to watch it through the lens of, I want to understand how this maybe works out 
in young people's real lived experience um, mm. because it is quite brutal. It's quite, I mean, it's, they, they film it in a way that's sensitive to what you see and what you don't see, but what mm. you hear in terms of the language and what you are aware of happening is just devastating. Okay. Utterly. But I appreciate that it's centering a teenage girl story while at the same time, uh, not making the boy out to be an absolute predator. It's actually saying what's, what is going on for him that means he acts in such a predatory way, he commits a crime, mm. but you understand a little bit more about the culture around him that makes that possible. And it's it's quite a devastating watch. Martin, we have got yet another wonderful guest today because we yes. are going down, well, they're, not, they're not rabbit holes, they're, but they are definitely rocks that sometimes we don't look under mm. <laughs> when it comes to youth ministry because they feel tough. And, and I have to say... I mean, I adore the guest. I love him. And his, the interview with you is absolutely fantastic. So, guys, if you're listening and you're a paper and pen kind of person, grab your paper and pen. Because it actually is one of those. It, it is one of those. Anything I say, it is yeah. one of those. Yeah. He, there's some absolute gold and you'll want to capture it. But the topic, I, I've, this is one of those topics that I would never go to a seminar in a conference on Sabbath rest. No. And, you know, rhythms of grace. Because I just know that I would sit there like the whole time, like, it's so hard. And I find it really hard to do. And I know that actually for me, it does enter the, the realms of sin. My kind of, you know, just don't stop and just keep going. And it, sometimes I see myself as the answer to the issues, which is why I don't stop. But I do find it hard. I do find it difficult because I... I str- I do struggle massively in this area and I know I need to do better. So I think I might just go and sit in the corner and sob for the entire Yeah. I mean, the more you say it, the more it feels like you do have an issue that does need addressing. <laughs> if I'm honest. It's, it, oh, I, little, do. I do. The lady doth protest too much, as Shakespeare Oh, wrote. no, I'm not protesting. I'm telling you, it's very dark <laughs> in my brain when I think about this topic. Um, and that we could go into some of the things um, why. But we've we've known Paul for quite a few years, haven't we, I think, in yes. the youth ministry world? Well, he's he's been at SWIM since 1999. Um, and so, yeah, we've known him for absolutely ages. And he is he is genuinely... Uh, a, a, like he's a friend of mine. Like I've stayed at his his house actually. Stayed at his house on holiday. He was very generous and let us stay in his house um, as a family. And you're a big family. You're a big we're family a big too. family. That's right. It was very kind. He moved out to be fair, Aww. but he let us come and stay in uh, there for weeks. So we got a holiday in Devon. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the thing about Paul is he's just so unbelievably likable. So he's he's like a sort of a um, you know Charles Dickens. The way Charles Dickens names his characters after their key attributes, like. Paul Friend, like that is like a Charles Dickens name because he, I don't know anyone who doesn't like the guy. I mean, how could you not like the guy? He's so darn likable. There's just nothing that I can't imagine he has an enemies. And if he has an enemy, that person's probably got something profoundly wrong with them. Um, yes, it's so them. It's all them. It's going to be yeah, them. Right. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a great uh, guy. Have I overstated but... that a bit, Rich? I really like him. Do I like him too much? He wants a holiday again. Paul. I do. That's what he wants. I do. <laughs> Uh, fantastic well this uh i tell you what we're going to pick up after the interview and chat a bit more because i think i need to externally process a bit more my own yes. struggles with yes. with uh, work-life balance but let's um pick up your pen and paper people take down your notes and we will see you the other side of this fantastic interview of when martin saunders chatted with paul friend
Um, so I'm sat here with Paul, friend. Hello. Uh, Paul, we are... Uh, do you want to describe the surroundings? Because they are spectacular. Uh, we are sat in a, a place called Bernard's Acre, which is a kind of log cabin retreat space in the middle of Dartmoor yeah. in February in the dark by a fire. Do you, do you mind just recanting a little bit of the, the Bernard story, just what you know? Um, so, from what I know, there was a youth leader in a church in Exeter yeah. who worked with loads of young people, yeah. loved young people, and had a dream to set up some kind of place you could take young people where they yeah. could experience God, be away from city, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and so, uh, sadly, he died young. And uh, this may not be right, but from my recollection, they basically, from after he died, collected a load of money and bought this place. Which was his vision, right? Which was his vision. So his vision became a reality. And now for, I guess, 50 years or something like that? Yeah, 1978. So not 50 years because I was born in 1978. Yeah, okay. Whoops. There have been loads of youth groups who come here for kind of small church youth weekends away, all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah, it's an amazing place. They've just done it up a bit more. So it will go on for hopefully another... It 50 is years. absolutely beautiful. So we're here at the Swim Southwest Youth Ministries uh, team retreat. Uh, Chris Curtis and I, for some reason, are here as your guest speakers. I don't feel like it's going to end well, but but we're here now. Uh, and we are in the absolute middle of nowhere. There's no phone signal. There's no mobile <laughs> There's reception. There's nothing. No, no hope at all of that. But it's beautiful. You've got these sort of sweeping panoramas on all four sides. It's beautiful. And it's not actually that cold, considering it's February. It's, no. I, I, I prepared myself for much cold. You'd really laid it on thick <laughs> oh, yeah. that it was going to be awful. And it's actually not. Awful. It's not that bad. It's very, it's very good. So we're here. Um, and and um, the interesting thing about the timing of this is it, it comes just after you've had a very significant event in your youth ministry career. I have. I, well, I've just had a, a sabbatical. I got back on Wednesday last week. It was my first day back and it's now Monday. So I guess this is day four of returning from having just uh, just under 12 weeks off, um, switching off completely. So um, it's something within Swim that where we get the opportunity every seven years to apply to do have a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Um and lots of people do that in lots of different ways. So I've tried to learn from other people and what they've done. Um, I've done one before and tried to learn some lessons from what worked well and what didn't work well. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was amazing to just have 12 weeks where I was away from the cold face and just me and God, me and my family. And uh, it was just amazing. And we'll talk a bit more about that later on. Um before we get there, and we're going to get into our tough question for youth ministry, um, let's just talk a little bit about Southwest Youth Ministry. So you've been here since 1999. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so well-deserved sabbatical, um, not that you've been here five minutes. Um, so so te- just for people who don't know very briefly what the SWIM do. So our vision is that every child and young person across the whole of the Southwest would encounter Jesus, come to know him and make a choice to live for more. So for for us, what that looks like practically is 
we resource local churches right across the region, across denominations, to help them to think, how do we reach out to children and young people in our community? What does that look like practically? We do loads of training for volunteers, line managers, all kinds of different things. We also then run full-time courses, kind of from a gap year right through to a degree. Um, and then we run loads of camps and events for children and young people where either they can explore faith for the first time um, or where we're looking to really accelerate their discipleship and leadership. Um, so we're really just about this part of the world uh, and, and about this generation. And uh, we're just sold out for that. When you say this part of the world, you've got a very generous interpretation of the Southwest, right? So when I think the Southwest, I think Devon and Cornwall, where do you actually serve? It's creeping, isn't it? I've seen the map. <laughs> so we, we were birthed out of Exeter. Um, and I think most people would accept Bristol as the gateway to the southwest. Okay. Um, but people from Devon and Cornwall would probably dispute that. Um, but we go up to Gloucester and then work our way down uh, kind of to Salisbury and down towards... Uh, into Dorset and that kind of thing. And we include Guernsey as well because, hey, it's on our local BBC News, so it must count. And so what? T- tell me some of the things that Swim are involved in that you're excited about. Tell me, t- mention Spree. We'd love to hear kind of about Spree and some other things. Yeah, so uh, probably the biggest event that we're involved in up until very recently mm-hmm. um, is Spree Southwest, which is uh, an event for eight up, um, which we run with Urban Saints um, nationally. Um, and that we get about 1500 something like that mm-hmm. uh, uh, and it, it's brilliant for kind of transition point so for us it's kind of a real strategy moment at the end of the year so it's a weekend that happens at the end of june uh, and so for a lot of our workers out there around the region it becomes like a reaping event of all the all the relationships built throughout the year it's a chance to take those to the next level in terms of exploring spiritual conversations and maybe seeing them either come to know Jesus and having the chance to make a make a decision or just take some steps towards that or whatever that might look like. So uh, so that's really exciting, but we're also really excited to be yes. involved with Satellites yes. as well because Satellites is moving to the southwest. Um, although by your definition, it's not because <laughs> it's, it's actually in Somerset. Um, so technically, it's, Satellites isn't in the Southwest. But for me, it is. Very um, good. And so, uh, yeah, we're just really excited that it's coming to the Southwest. That, And so we will just want to encourage churches right across the region to be engaging with it, uh, taking young people. And we're excited to have something so focused on young people and discipleship, but also with a heart for mission to come and be a part of the stuff. So we want to get involved. You might be a good person to speak into this. I, Since we've announced we're moving to Shepton Mallet, um, or as I heard a local resident call it, Shepton Malay. <laughs> I've, I've never heard that before. I heard that tonight. Um, so, uh, you know, I've heard people say, gosh, you know, it's so good that something's coming back to there. We felt so sad when events left this area there's a real sense of excitement about why do you why you know do you feel that do you feel that sense of excitement of a return of a big event to this area yeah definitely i think the it was for such a long time having soul survivor mm. kind of birthed out of it and i part of the generation that kind of grew up through new wine that then birthed soul survivor and then i guess for the region because it was so central and so um became kind of a you know, loads of churches took young people to that. It was like a key strategy part of mission and discipleship for this generation. And 
you know, so many leaders I meet around the region will work their way back to Salt of or New Wine as mm-hmm. as key moments for them of kind of responding to a call from God or coming to faith or whatever, where their faith became alive or whatever it may be. Um, so I think when that moved away, yeah. um, and we understand why it moved away and all of that, but when it moved away, there was a bit of a vacuum left. Mm. Um, and although a lot travelled, when you're down here, yeah. It's a long way to anywhere, frankly. It is. So, um, so I think that I think there is. There's, it's probably two things. One, it's excitement about something uh, being in the region again, um, but it's probably also a bit of nostalgia mm. that we know the site. We've. It's almost like a pilgrimage, I guess, well, maybe yeah, for some a, people. And isn't there a tiny bit of? Some people think, you know, all the worship and the prayer that's taken place there, it became a bit of a thin place. You know, it's not exactly, you know, uh, Lindisfarne, but, <laughs> but but there's something of that. There's something yeah, yeah. of like, oh, there's a, you know, there's an important sense of place. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, you know, something, there's something in the spiritual realm there that we probably never understand fully. Um, but also I think there's that memory, you know, of, you know, you think about the festivals in, in scripture where mm. that, that, that journey to the place mm. and then the, the memory of meeting God in that place that makes us perhaps more uh, aware of God in that space, but perhaps even more open to him speaking to us or, or responding to him, that that hopefully in, in satellites coming back to, to Shepton, that, that there will be that heightened expectation. Yeah. Now, you've just had three months off. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. You've, <laughs> you've just had three months of prayerful, Lots of people would say prayerful reflection. Uh yeah, I mean, some people would struggle. They'll struggle with that, you know, the idea of like, oh, gosh, you know. I mean, did you have a bit of pushback? Have you had pushback from anyone, uh, you know, the idea of actually taking three months out? Um, paid. Paid. Um, not a huge amount, actually. It was interesting when I said, like, even when I put on, I remember putting on socials the day, the day that I left the office and was signing off. Mm-hmm. And lots of people were like, you know, have an amazing time, yeah, yeah. well deserved, and all that kind of well, stuff. Well, people like you, Paul. It's annoying. It's very, <laughs> it's very hard to find anything about you to dislike. Oh, I don't know about that. But, but the the thing, um, I think people who people who aren't Christians struggle perhaps more with the concept yeah. of why would you like perhaps in some business settings you might have a sabbatical, but you wouldn't be paid to do it. Mm-hmm. So the concept of being paid to rest or paid to be renewed or to recreate or in some way be refreshed uh, can perhaps feel a bit alien for people. But I think um, I was, yeah, m- most people who I engaged with were, were, were intrigued as to what I was doing, wanted to know what I was doing and why I was doing it, but weren't upset or annoyed or mm. weirded out that I was doing it. Mm. And what would you, we, we are circling on a big question, I promise, but, you know, in a sense, you were able to do that because you're in an organization, you're in a position of responsibility and, and, and therefore you can make these kind of calls. You know, I guess some people listening to this will be thinking, this is, this is all right for you, but I can't take as a master. I've been in my role for 10 years. What would you say to an employer? What would you say to organizations, church leaders even, about the value of sabbaticals, you know, what do you think? Because the danger is, of course, someone does sabbatical and then they leave at the end. You're not doing that, you know. But what would you say 
are the positives? What are the reasons for making it happen? I think there's a whole load. For me, um, one of the key things it's a, was that it was a reset. Mm-hmm. So it's a moment where you stop everything and you get to reevaluate your rhythms. You get to reevaluate some of perhaps your drivers that uh, that when you're just doing life and doing ministry, you perhaps aren't confronted with so blatantly as when you stop. So we all talk about, you know, oh, yes, I need to have my security in God and my identity in him and it needs to not be in my role. When you're not actually doing your role, uh, that's when you face, oh, how much of my identity is wrapped up in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so stepping out and having that reset um, is really helpful. I think another thing that's helpful is it helps you, particularly if you're the person carrying the vision or or leading, whether it's a charity or a youth ministry or whatever it may be, stepping away helps you see the wood from the, for the trees. Mm-hmm. So it helps you to get away from the day-to-day managing, the, the challenges, the issues, the problems, and go, are we heading in the right direction? Do we need to make a course correction? What is the priority going forward? And to kind of hear that now word from God about what, yeah, to, to get that longer term view. And then I think the thirdly, uh, I think it's just good to stop and just be with God. <laughs> um, where your being with God is not driven by, I need to get something out of this so I can share it with somebody else. Or even, I'm not, I'm spending time with God but this has so inspired me, I want to share it with someone else, actually not having the context to do that, so just simply receiving. Um, so, and for me, as someone who's got a family, to so often my time with God can be rushed. Yeah. And to not have to rush in a, a space like that was incredibly helpful. And I, get, I guess for those who, uh, who might be listening who go, yeah, but we don't have a... A sabbatical policy. There's mm. no way we, you know, no way I get that in or whatever. It doesn't necessarily have to be three months. Like most people say, it takes at least a couple of weeks before you unwind. So that means when you have a holiday, it's not a sabbatical. Mm. Holiday, you just switch off, and then you're back into it again. So you don't get the reset. You don't get all of that other stuff. But a month or four weeks. Mm you would unwind and you'd begin to get some of that. So perhaps in some context, actually three months might be un- unrealistic, but a month might be more realistic. Yeah. Um, for church leaders, this thing, I would say, you know, a lot of denominations have it written in. Why would you not want your staff to have the opportunity to have what you have mm-hmm. um, and what makes them not deserve to have it, but you get to have it. Um, but I think a lot of the time it's about us. So even if you're applying for a new job, when you're looking at terms and conditions, say, would you consider having a sabbatical policy? Why not ask it then? Because that's probably the moment when they're most likely to put it in um, when when they've offered you the job. So be bold and be brave to ask. But then even within your, your, even if you don't have a sabbatical, it's not something that's part of the culture. Figuring out how in your yearly rhythm you get moments to reset, to not hurry, to mm. see the wood for the trees. Mm. Even if that's, okay, I'm never going to get a month off. I'm never going to get three months off. But 
I might get a retreat day once a month where I can build in to go away, to not rush, to listen. Um, there, it's about building those rhythms in. Okay, well, there. let's get into this now. This is the big question. The big question this week is, in the madness of youth ministry, you know, and the, the, it's so relentless. You've got you've got all these competing demands. It, the job is never done. How do you make space, space for rest? And let me juxtapose your experience of January, which was essentially, you know, you know, on your on your back somewhere. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll describe what I was actually doing. Now. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, let me just suppose that with my antithetical January, which is that I got really sick in January and I got, uh, I got strep A and then I got a, a sinal infection and then I developed a, an allergic reaction to the drugs I took. And so I was, I was ill for weeks. Okay. In all that time, I didn't take any time off. I wasn't in bed. I could not face, I know this isn't good. This doesn't reflect well on me. Okay. I'm not the hero in this story. I'm not making myself the hero. But I was, I'm so busy and I've got so much, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of working at Youthscape. I've got my uh, church youth work. I've got family commitments. I just looked at my diary and every day I was like, well, I can't take Wednesday off to rest and I can't Thursday and Friday I couldn't because I've got this and that. You know, we should say, by the way, just in case any of this is coming over on the microphone, there's a rather <laughs> enthusiastic games night happening behind us. <laughs> Well, we're trying to conduct it's much hilarity going. They look like having a lot of fun. <laughs> well, that's what's going on there. That we're not being jeered through the window <laughs> here as we try to conduct a serious interview. So, so I th- I see myself as a little you know case study here of like the worst case scenario. But I think actually a lot of youth workers will go, yeah, I ex- I have exactly that experience when I'm ill or when I'm trying to build rest in. I look at my diary and the job is just never done. There's no convenient time to take a break, even or even a sick day. You know, how do you do it? A great question. I think the first thing I'd want to say is, listening to someone who's just had a sabbatical, like I would say, don't beat yourself up about about that, firstly, because we can make it even worse by going, I'm rubbish at this. I could never take a retreat day. I could never have a day in bed or a day in front of the TV to recover from whatever's going on. Uh, Everything is relentless. Like, so I think the first thing is don't guilt yourself and beat yourself up. But I think someone once said to me that I, and I, I found this really helpful. Does your diary run you or do you run your diary? And I thought that was really helpful because it made me go, actually, most of the time I go, what am I doing this week? Mm-hmm. I look at my diary and that's what dictates what my week looks like. Instead of me looking at my diary and going, what, what God do you want me to do? What am I prioritizing doing? And what do I need to take out that's already in there? Um, and- oh gosh, I feel like we should go through those one by one. Okay. <laughs> so that, cause that's three very significant categories you've just come up with there. So so the God one is like, I mean, how do you even ask that question? That's not a five-second question like that you're just plucking out of the air, right? No, that's a, it's a, I guess for me, it's two levels. So it's in the day-to-day little and then in the big. So the day-to-day little for me is when I'm spending time with God in the morning, I will be praying for people. I've got a little prayer book that I work through. Um, 
where there's people who are have us like little prayer projects. And I try and do that as an adventure with God. So I'm praying for someone and I'll be saying, God, is there anything that you want me to do? Like, how can I encourage this person? What can, could I send them a me- Like, what do you want me to do? Mm. And then it's like, right, I'm going to, I need to prioritize doing that today. I'm not just going to pray for them and think that and then not do it. So I tend to literally do it there and then because I'm, mm. I will forget. Um, so it's in the little inter being interruptible uh, and available to God in the little stuff so that you can be obedient in the little things. And then it's the big stuff of what is it that you sense God is calling you to do that's different? Mm. What is what is the bigger picture of what he's asking you to do? And maybe that's, you know, you're sensing God leading you into setting up a, I don't know, maybe it's a mentoring project or something. Mm. And you're like, I need, if I don't prioritize putting time in for the thing that I know God's stirring in my heart, I'm just going to do the job mm. and I'm just going to do the tasks rather than the bigger the bigger sense of what God's stirring in me and what I'm feeling called into. Now, okay, you've got to get permission to do some of that stuff yeah, yeah. and get it agreed and be accountable and all those things. But so for me, it's in the little and the big things. Okay, so that's God. And then your set, second category was... Uh, I'm trying to remember what... Two my... old men trying to remember <laughs> what, what we said three minutes ago. So the second category was like, what do I need to do, right? So what, what's in there that I need so, to do? Um, I guess that's really about the letting your you running your diary, not your diary running you. So, for example, that might be I'm looking at my diary and going, I actually need to have time to plan mm. or I need to have time to <laughs> actually get to my emails mm. or I need to have. So actually blocking in. Because the danger is you look at your diary and you you go, anything where there isn't something in there, mm. I can fill. Yeah, of course. Um, instead of going, you know, I, I can remember someone saying to me, if someone asks you to meet and you're overwhelmed and there's too much going on, like put something in your diary that says, so for me, it would be meeting with P, meeting with Paul. Um, so that is me time. I'm busy. I can't meet You put them. in a, a, a diary meeting with yourself. Um, I have done in the past. I don't have to do P. it now. With P? Yeah, I've got a meeting with Paul. So if someone says, can I meet then? I'm like, I'm sorry, I've got another meeting. Got a meeting at that time. Um, because I have got another meeting. Yeah. I need to I need to spend time doing what yes. I naturally yeah, need to be doing. Yeah. So whereas if I see it's free, I'm like, well, I suppose yeah, I, I could. could do, yeah. So maybe I'll do that. But then I don't actually do what I need to do. And I, although it might be a helpful conversation, I can actually meet. I was talking to someone the other day about, they were like, oh, do you have a PA? And I went, no, I don't think, A, I wouldn't have a clue how to manage them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but B, perhaps this is something more about me and maybe I'm a bit too possessive or whatever. But I like to be able to run my diary a little bit in terms of mm-hmm. if someone says, can I meet? And it's not actually that urgent. Yeah. I can say, well, I can meet you in, a, in three or four weeks' time yeah. sure. rather than I'll prioritise meeting you tomorrow. Yeah. So... Some of that is just about, I guess, working out what's a priority for you and building in space to do the things that you need to do. Because otherwise, my experience was all the things that I needed to do and were actually important, I ended up having to do in the dregs of my time. Mm. Like, oh, rubbish, I'm doing something tomorrow morning. I need to, I haven't planned it. I haven't done anything. So I'll think about it now at 8 p.m. Yeah. when I need when I'm actually at my worst because I'm a morning person. So rather so I tend to put meetings if I can in the afternoon yeah. where I'm perhaps less productive, but 
I'm more in a chatty place. Yeah, that's very wise. And then in the that. morning, I will spend time doing the things that I, where I know I'll be much more productive. Okay, so that's two. I'm sorry, I've, I've broken this down to the micro, but I think it's fascinating. It's like the, it's like some sort of productivity podcast. We've suddenly <laughs> morphed into sort of James Clear or something. I don't know what's happened. Okay, um, so the final category there was what do I need to take out. Yeah. So how, what about that? You know, because that's, that's hard. That is hard, particularly if you're a people pleaser. Um, and particularly if you've got, so sometimes it's going, it's humbling ourselves and going, I've gone, I've, I've overbooked myself mm. uh, uh, and contacting someone saying, I'm really sorry. Is it okay if we meet in a couple of weeks? Time? Mm. Mm. Um, and my experience when I've done that is never has someone gone, that is outrageous. No, you are going to meet me. <laughs> yeah. I've prioritised it. I've made yeah, yeah. like re- I don't think I can. Unless think of they're it. on the way to you. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, or they've I, arrived at the I've door. I've been driving from Manchester. You can't <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah, but mo- like most of the time, people are like absolute. It's like when you're actually sick and you like you reach a point where you literally cannot move. Yes, and you say, "I'm really sick." People don't go put yourself together but, and come but and meet you me. You said there was a meeting. Yeah, exactly. So I think. I think sometimes it's just having the guts to say, can we rearrange? I need to, like, and obviously you don't want to do that all the time so you become unreliable, but in moments when you need to, doing that. Um, So, like, for me personally, in the last, I would say, the last five to ten years, at various points when I've had a young family, uh, having my time with God in the morning has been really hard. So I'm the kind of person who... Uh, the morning is the best time to do it, but I'm not a morning person. So I struggle to get up. Like I've always wanted to be that person that gets up at 5am and spends two hours. Oh, me too. But I, I, I've now come to a point of going, that's actually not how I'm wired. Um, but when you've got a young family and they get up and you, it's very hard to get any kind of silent stillness or anything. Uh, and so what I try to build in is having Friday mornings from nine till 12 where I wouldn't put anything in. And that was about me and God time, which sometimes would be God speaking to me about work. Sometimes it was more about me just being with him that wasn't rushing. Um, At other points in my life, I've had retreat days. At other points, I've, you know, at the moment, I've got a rhythm where I drop my kids at school and I've got a chunk of time before work. And I pull it up. I've started since I've got back from tobacco. So it's only four days in. So it's, it's, not, it's not quite a discipline. But I've got a little lay-by where I pull into and I spend time with God before I go into the office. Because if I go into the office, people start chatting. So I've got, I stop two minutes away from the office, spend time with God, and then go in. Um, and so I think some of it is sucking it and seeing and finding what works and finding the rhythms in the stage of life that you're at to mm. find rest with God as well as rest for your body. Well, let, and let me just push this a little bit further. So I think you've done a brilliant job there of, of thinking about how we think about how we spend our working week, say. But what about actual rest? Like what about not just, you know, spending time with God? What about actual rest, you know, giving yourself permission to um, to just stop? And and this can be especially, it's it's difficult for everybody in different ways especially difficult when you've got, say, a young family or you've got other people who've got demands on you in some ways. How do you how do you carve out that time without feeling guilty in you know in any area of your life? Yeah. I think it's it's a massive challenge. 
And particularly in youth ministry where you've got parents who contact you at the most inappropriate or unhelpful oh, times of the day or night. Yeah. And and vicars. Yeah. And and all of that. And, yeah. and figuring out when your day off is and, or if you're part-time, it's even more problematic. Um, so I think it, it is massively challenging. Um, and again, I think a big thing is not having a big guilt fest about, you know, I am terrible because I had to do two emails this evening. Um, but I think as a general rule, it's good to have a discipline where you stop. And I think the the interesting thing about the create creation narrative is Jesus, uh, uh, well, God ceased from working for a day. He stopped. So he didn't go at three o'clock on the Sabbath. Oh, I forgot to make a kangaroo. I'll make a kangaroo now. <laughs> Um, because it just slipped my mind. And so I'll quickly make a kangaroo. And then, like, I know this, this is facetious, but um, there is something about ceasing completely and stopping completely. And I think that's incredibly difficult to do, especially in the world of social media, to where you're bombarded with random messages and how you find boundaries. And it's all about boundaries, isn't it? So going, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's, you know, you can't switch off Messenger or your WhatsApp or whatever, but you can choose to not reply until when you're in work mode. But the easiest thing to do often is what well, they've seen, I've seen it, so I've got a message. Back. Of course, those dreaded two blue ticks. The two blue ticks. Oh. They can, but, but the problem is the more we reply, the more we give permission and the more we, it, it feeds it. Um, so actually there, you know, and I know lots of people who switch their phone off or have a, have a work phone and all of those things can be helpful boundaries. That, but I don't think there's a one size fits all. I think it's working out for you what are the boundaries that help you switch off and help you rest. And rest, I think, is a cease, ceasing from work. Um, but it's also about being like recreating. So it's doing something that feeds your soul. Um, so... For me, uh, this might not be like, I don't think this again is a general rule, but for me, if I sat in and watched TV all day, I would technically have rested, but I would feel groggy, lethargic at the end of it. I would. You imagine you're watching Liverpool in this scenario. Uh, uh, okay, we didn't need to go there. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's all right. Um, but um, it could be any anything like that. I, but, but some people, that might be life-giving. But certainly for me, unless I get out in creation, whether that's a walk, whether that's doing something outside, at least for a chunk, I, it, I will will not feel rested. And so I've, I haven't fed my soul. I've just, it's, it's almost like I've checked out or I've... Um, so I've, I, I've, I've ceased from working but I haven't replenished. Um, so, you know, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry is a great book. I The, the challenge I have with some of the languages in it, but I'd encourage everyone to read it, but the challenge I, I have with it is, is for me, it, with a family, to not do any chores... Or any, and you know, some people push us up and say, you know, you shouldn't do any chores, you shouldn't do anything, you should have done everything in the other six days with me. And I'm like, 
actually, for me, putting a load of washing on is not work because it's so fundamentally different to youth ministry <laughs> that that's not work. It's just running the house. And as long as I'm not, like for me, I we've just bought a house where we've got a big garden. And so gardening and tiring myself out doing stuff that is totally different from my work feeds me it's like i and i've just on the spec i was doing loads of projects and stuff around the house and building fences and building stuff and i i felt like i connected with the jesus that was the carpenter mm. uh, and just imagining what how god formed him in those years that we know so little about but i think it was probably a lot of the forming of who he was um and so yeah i think again a lot of it is about us working out what are our boundaries and then hold holding ourselves accountable and getting others to hold us to account for what those healthy boundaries are for us which w will be different for all of us um but then it's figuring how do i replenish how do i recreate how do i feed my soul in my time off it's incredibly helpful, mate. I, it is hard to begrudge you your three months off. I wanted to be annoyed about it, but I don't feel grumpy anymore. Thank you for, for spending some time unpacking that. Really helpful. was a great interview and I was writing copious amounts of notes and what I, what I love about Paul is that he just frames it brilliantly in terms of this is about longevity and you know being in the ministry for the long haul it's yeah. That, yeah, that's what we that's our design I do find it tough and and the reason that I do often throw the ruthless elimination of hurry at people who tell me to read it yeah is that I don't feel that myself or any others who listen to this who maybe also struggle to to get the balance right. I don't feel that I deliberately try not to have good rhythms. I try and put them in, um, but but I have many responsibilities. And so if, and this is, I'm gonna sound horrendous now, people will be shouting and throwing things at, the, at their whatever podcast, their, their phones or whatever. But I, I find that I can get a bit of rhythm in one area of my life, but then you know work crashes in, or there's yeah. suddenly loads of extra stuff that I need to do for the children for school, mm. loads of extra yeah. homework. Um, and so I come home from this and I pick up that. And and then if you have any caring responsibilities or if you have a number of different jobs and and, and my my worst fear is that sometimes I hear, you know, make sure you take rest through the lens of my own prejudice, which is mm. it's somebody with no caring responsibilities who has one job. And so when they're not doing their job, they're free. And I know that isn't what happens, but I tend to hear it spoken from somebody who that's their reality oh i mean my goodness like i i was gonna i was gonna ask this and it's very difficult and awkward for me to ask this as a man but this so often the this teaching about sabbath and rest comes from a male voice mm. and you know and even if it's a male voice where there are young children in the family we all know the reality is that mm. a maternal workload will always be different um and and in the majority of cases and so it is usually the a man who has the ability to step away and take time and rest and it mm. does look different for men and women so i was going to ask you that like is there a gender imbalance to this whole thing do you think 
I, I mean, I would say there is, but I, but I think I do know. I want to check my bias yeah. <laughs> because I know that Paul is not someone who shirks his parenting responsibilities no. whatsoever. So I don't want to make this sound like I'm saying about anyone in particular, but um, I, I do think that often it does come from wealthy men if I think about men in the states who talk about this on their podcast yeah. they are wealthy white men but they're living, wealthy now because they made a lot of money out uh, of these things living in communities that sustain their ministry and encourage them and um where they often do have a spouse who is caring for them we don't hear anything about their spouse's work-life balance apart from the fact they cook pancakes them on their day off and so I and I think the moment your life is complex and you're you're looking after someone with complex needs or you are living in very poor community where there's high stress and anxiety, people maybe are not massively working. So they're not then having a day off because do you have a day off if you don't work where, you know, where there isn't a system around you that reinforces that way of life. Mm. I think it's very hard. Now, no, it's not impossible. That doesn't mean that we don't mm. give it a go. Mm. But I, I feel that the illustrations given and the kind of the, it, it can become quite idolatrous and can be quite blinkered. Um, having said, my caveat is though, I don't think it's healthy to not have time off, to mm. not be able to put in boundaries. That Agreed. so, so I think for me, I, I sometimes my reason for not doing it is I'm like, well, what do they know? If they were working here, they'd be stressed yeah, out yeah. as I am. And, um, so I think we do need to find our own way of doing that. But it can't be in a way that means that somebody else has to pick up your stuff so that you can do the rest. I That's really good. Lovely... I'm glad you said that. Yeah, thank you. Thank I'm you, Mark. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. Um, but loads of really good practical stuff in there with um, from from Paul in terms of diary management. Oh, and yeah, I, brilliant. What, it, what yeah. it reminded me of was the kind of the... The spiritual discipline of simplicity, this idea that we we need to constantly look at our lives and say, look, come on, where where do I need to be doing a bit less? And where actually would that make room for a bit more? Like however busy your life is, like I think those are good questions that we can always be asking. And mm. I, I love the idea of sitting with your diary and asking those questions, you know, okay, what would God say into my diary today? What does God want actually? What's God mm. want my priorities to be? Uh, you know, what do I need to be doing? What do I need to take out of this? And and this idea of, um, uh, you know, you running your diary rather than your diary running you. I think these are all really helpful principles for us in in the crazy, you know, diary filled world of youth ministry. Yes, absolutely. And I think probably we need to be really honest and robust with ourselves and somebody trustworthy who's older and wiser, possibly to say, where might we fall into the trap of over um sort of being less resilient than we actually can be I do think sometimes there have been seasons in my life and definitely sometimes I'll work with somebody I think I think you could actually you could actually do more than you think you can you are more capable you are more resilient but but you're kind of afraid of 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 giving it a bit more because you think you won't cope there are times that we do need to say actually it's okay to have a busy season that is not always the problem the problem is if we haven't got an end to that or we're making an idol of busyness or we're using our busyness to prevent us from really dealing with stuff and allowing God to do something and there are other times where we do need to have a season of fallow and say actually I need to learn to do less now because I'm actually getting in the way and I'm actually 
the way that I'm working is causing distress and pain to others. So I, I mean, if I'm being really honest now, Martin, you ready for me being? I, I would like your serious honesty, Rachel. What an overshare from you, never. No, it's never. No, it's not about sex. <laughs> but about three weeks ago, I, there was a week where I just, it was a, it was a really hard week where I had to hear quite a few of my team individually. They'd not, they'd not like planned this individually, privately saying to me, Rachel, the way that your pace of work is making my life really hard mm. and initially I was like okay I'll hear you thank you very much inside nah, doesn't affect them like you know <laughs> I, I'm not asking them to pick up my kids I'm not asking them to sit up till 11 at night look after my kids I'm not and then I and then I stopped and thought Rachel what are you doing we, we we know this that if you have any kind of leadership in your team that your the way you are will influence gives permission to others to do or not do what you want them to do so I want my team to have really great days off the fact that I, I don't do it I didn't I'm really poor sometimes saying actually if they don't see me ever taking a day off they probably think I don't value them taking a day off mm. so I might say I do but if I'm not doing it so I think it's trying to get that balance isn't it because I do sometimes think we could do more than we think we can we can push ourselves a bit and there are other times where we need to kind of hold ourselves accountable. Thus endeth my rambly sermon. Was I anyone enjoyed, blessed? I Probably it. not. We but... all were. How do you, Rachel Gardner, how do you, uh, there was a delightful phrase that Paul used about do the things that feed your soul, right? So mm. genuine rest. What? Let's get away. You can't name kind of racy channel for um, a drama. doesn't feed my soul. <laughs> what is it, Rachel Gardner, that feed, feeds your soul? Well, this is quite tied in with diary stuff now. Mm. I'm an extrovert. I'm creative. I, I'm a bit of a pioneer. I love being with new people. I love going to new places. I love getting a decent coffee, having a beautiful view of a new landscape. And so for me, there will always be a little bit of a drive towards saying yes to things that are outside my mm. area. I'll always, because it does really feed my soul, particularly when you live and minister in an area where it's, it can be really tough. Like the, your day to day, there aren't the, the kind of the let outs. There's not a great coffee shop in Blackburn. I love Blackburn, but there aren't. Mm. There aren't little vintage shops. There aren't little pop up sh shops. There aren't little places. There aren't museums. There aren't art galleries. There aren't theatres. Yeah, we have cinemas. We have Nando's. Thank you, Jesus. So you know, if if I haven't, we haven't got the sea nearby. So so you have to find other little spaces. A little walk along the river with a dog or something. Yeah, it's quite. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, I feel like you were getting quite emotional there. You were sort of, I am sort getting of quite emotional. yourself in a beautiful oh. landscape with a cup of coffee. I was, yeah, I'll get, I'll drive anywhere for a great coffee and a good oh. landscape. And that's not what it was me, but sometimes it's recognizing that that um, it's okay that and you know you need to go and find those spaces. That's that's okay. Um, yeah. And what doesn't feed my soul is endless watching of Netflix, but. That, no. We have to we have to fight that, don't we? Because I'm a yeah. tired. We want it's me easy. time. It's easy. Doom scrolling and Netflix, but honestly, that the, the odd great film is great, but mostly that doesn't feed our souls. I think it, it. All of us, every single one of us listening to this, absolutely. Yeah, let's take Paul's challenge to heart and let's let's do something about it for, for the sake of our own soul, for our own, own longevity of ministry, for those around us. Absolutely, but let's never fall for the lie that um that Jesus can't and won't use us where we are 
Because mm. I guess there are some of us at the moment feeling, actually, there are some things within my power to change, but there are many things that are not within my power to change. If you're caring mm. for somebody with mm. complex needs, if you're having to work three or four jobs, if you're doing volunteer, if, you're, if your youth ministry is the stuff that you do in the gaps where maybe you would go for a coffee or writing and you choose youth ministry and it's intense, like the, surely the worst thing would be that somehow we say, God cannot work his wonderful purposes to us unless we get this rhythm thing nailed because I think scripture makes it very clear that Jesus says come to me and I'll teach you the rhythms of grace Mm -hmm. and I think there are times where he will do that on the battle line on the battlefield on the fighting edge of the battle area will be sat in a storm and in that moment we'll have peace it won't look like writing in a coffee shop or sleeping but in that moment there will be peace for our soul that that transcends a good day off and there are other times where jesus says no the discipline of a day off for goodness sake you know Mm. abide by that that's my command so i think let's be released from thinking that this is something we have to strive towards Mm. to sort ourselves out before jesus uses us that that's the enemy would kind of use that i think to hold us back whereas that's a good good balance come to me come to me and i'll give you rest that's that's good balance as long as it's not an excuse to keep burning yourself out. Accountability. <laughs> Let's hold those two things in tension. Right, okay. we're getting the nod from producer Dave that we need to wrap this Shut up. So, up. <laughs> so, so. Oh, I thought you were telling producer Dave to shut up. I oh, no, was, no, no. That was very, that was very, very petulant of you. Wow. Okay. Shut I won't up, tell you what Dave. Finger is sticking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, look, Brilliant. we need to say a couple of things as we finish. First of all, please, would you do us a favor? And um, if you like the podcast, subscribe to us. Don't just listen to us and rate and review. That would be really helpful. It really helps if you spend just a moment rating and reviewing. It's just giving us that star rating, unless, of course, you hate the podcast. Um, yeah. Finally, we'll if end it. If we... it's don't rate. Oh, I just came up with that. Wow, did you just... Really? You just came up with that? I almost can't believe that. Um, And to finish... Um, we're gonna we're gonna play out with with you with one of you um, with an, another unsung hero story. Um, thanks for making it through what has been a very long and rambly Youthscape podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and that it has in some way fed your soul. Hi, my name's Dave, and I want to talk about an unsung hero called Dan. I became a Christian when I was sixteen, and all throughout that period of my life, when I was exploring faith and trying to work out who I was and what I should do with my life. Dan was always there to listen to me and to support me. But also for the first time in my life, he was someone that took an interest, not just in the normal benign things such as where I went to school or or what subjects I should study, but was also interested in my heart, was interested in what things made me happy, what things enabled me to have life and to flourish. And he took time out of his day on a regular basis when he didn't have to outside of the youth group setting, outside of of church, just to spend time with me, just to to hear about the problems I was experiencing, to get alongside me and to hear about different things going on in my life. And he did this as an extra, extra amount of time, above and beyond anything that I've ever seen someone else do.
just chat. I'm going to do it talk really high pitch. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs>